Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is December 1581. Queen Elizabeth is considering her marriage options. She has just dumped the Duke of Allen's son and thinks she needs some help to secure a worthy match. I mean, if she wants some help writing a profile... Can you stop that now? I'm getting a headache. Your Majesty. Lady, remind me. Lady Kent, Your Majesty. Or Anne, if you prefer. Hmm, a good name, Lady Kent. And who is your husband? I have no husband, Your Majesty. I am wealthy on my own account. You work to set about the marriages of others, but have no inclination towards your own state. Yes, Your Majesty. I'm too busy to think about husbands or children. Would that I were allowed to do the same, Lady Kent. Where shall we sit? Here? I hope you are amenable to my taking notes whilst we speak. I don't wish to forget your requirements. My requirements are brief. Must have pulse! <laughs> I find a pulse should be optional, Your Majesty. Some of the happiest women are widows. Indeed. Where shall we begin? How should I describe you to your future love? Tell him I have auburn hair, fair skin and dark eyes. Tell him I studied Latin, Italian, French and Greek and do not shy away from my intellect. Of course. Tell him I spend whatever little free time I have writing prayers and poems and translating classical texts. Do you enjoy music? I enjoy playing the harpsichord and virginals. Alas, my dancing days are not as they were, but I do find good dancers very desirable. Good thighs. Um, yes. And you're a Virgo, are you not? I am. According to my astrologer, John Dee, I would find marriage most amenable with uh, Taurus, Cancer, Scorpio or Capricorn. Well, that narrows it down. He's never let me down yet in these matters. He chose my January coronation date himself. Although I suspect it was because he wanted to get Christmas out of the way first. Now, what are you looking for? Should he be single, or would a divorced or widowed man be acceptable? I do not wish to marry a divorced man. I have seen with my father how wives linger. Can he have children of his own? Would you be prepared to be a stepmother? I would be perfectly happy to do so. It would save me the trouble. 
Now, what kind of age? Young and malleable, or old and liable to drop at any moment? I have no wish to be a nursemaid, to marry a child just out of swaddling clothes, nor a man at death's door. Someone of a similar age would be suitable. How will he look? Tall or short? Tall. Dark or fair? Either. Beard or clean-shaven? Oh, beard, definitely. Religion? Protestant, obviously. Although I'm sure anything can be overlooked if his purse is large enough. I'll put wealthy down as well, then. Should he be good-looking? He should most definitely. I will not marry someone that I have never met in person. I shall not be tricked by a portrait. Quite right. I want a man's man. Someone that loves fresh air and exercise. I don't want someone that sits at home all day among the cinders. What qualities are you looking for in a husband, Your Majesty? Someone like your father, Henry? Mercy, no. He could never listen to a woman's opinion without becoming infuriated. That wouldn't do. I need someone kind and yet confident. Kind and confident. This is a perennial problem. How can I, as a queen, offer wifely obedience to a man that is already bound in obedience to me as his queen? I understand, Your Majesty. You've ruled alone for over 20 years. It's understandable that you're now unwilling to submit this power to a husband. To be 25 and unmarried was unusual for a royal princess. Why was that? Because my status kept changing. I was the daughter of a king and queen one minute, the daughter of a traitor the next. Then my darling brother Edward took the throne on the death of our father and tried to remove myself and Mary from the succession. That must have been difficult. Mm, Mary and I were always just pawns in the game of matrimony. But our value was constantly changing. It is fortunate that I am here at all. Ma'am? It is the usual fate of royal daughters to be sent abroad, making a new life with a stranger for a husband. I thank God that I am still in England. In many ways, I think you have a love for England stronger than that towards a husband. I love my country. And it is because of this that I will not risk its future with a poor marriage. I doubt you would be poor, Your Majesty. <laughs> Which reminds me, you might want to draw up a prenuptial agreement. I am referring to the choice of partner, Lady Kent. Although I do like a big rough. Oh yes, Your Majesty. Don't we all? It is important my husband is of a suitable nationality. An English husband provokes discord. It will elevate one of my subjects above others. So he should be foreign? A foreign husband will lock England into an alliance that may become irrevocable one day. It may jeopardise our interests rather than defend them. In that case, why marry at all? I blame the smallpox. I'm sorry? Smallpox. I nearly died. It scared my council into forcing me to name my successor. Ah, I see. <laughs> I said, I know I'm mortal. There is no need to keep reminding me of it. And did they listen? Did they? No. Hypocrites. What I cannot stand is being given advice by unbridled persons in the commons. 
those whose mouths have never been snaffled by a rider, so to speak. You need an heir, then? An undisputed, legitimate child to take the succession. Forgive me, uh, your majesty, but you are now in your late forties, aren't you? I am. Why does that matter? I suspect, uh, your majesty, that even if you were to wed, you may not be able to deliver a child safely. That is not confined to age. A woman's life is always threatened by childbirth. Don't forget, I have seen two mothers die in this way. Good point. Every day this question is raised. I am becoming ill with it. Marriage is a prison, and I am no stranger to imprisonment. This I fear more than another stint in the tower. You didn't have the best example set by your parents, Your Majesty. I gained and lost five mothers between my birth and my 15th birthday, Lady Kent. Five! There was scarcely time to remember their names, let alone what happened to them. Oh, I've got a rhyme for that, Your Majesty. Divorced, beheaded, died... Lady Kent, may I remind you that I am my father's daughter? I'm sorry, Your Majesty. Forgive me. Shall we continue with your list of requirements? Or gossip about the gentlemen in your court and the size of their codpieces? Trust me, most of it is padding. You could whack some with a lute and it wouldn't do any damage. <laughs> in fact, that would make quite a merry game. I shall suggest it to Cecil. I think he might collapse with shock, Your Majesty. <laughs> he is certainly easy to shock. I imagine telling him that I wish to remain a maid forever, but he'd think that inconceivable. He'd ask who'd put the notion in my head, as if I'm not capable of my own notions. Would you really prefer to never marry, Your Majesty? There is a strong idea that a woman cannot live unless she is married, or at all events, that if she refrains from marriage, she does so for some bad reason. I find my celibate life pleasant, and I am accustomed to it. I would rather go into a nunnery or suffer death than marry against my will. Well, nunnery, death or marriage isn't much of a choice, really, is it? Uh, What about the heir? I am certain that God will provide an heir of another kind to safeguard the kingdom's future. There is always someone with a claim to the throne. And your legacy? As for myself, in the end, this shall be for me sufficient. That a marble stone shall declare that a queen, having reigned such a time, lived and died a virgin. Sounds a bit bleak when you put it like that. The truth must out. I would like everyone to be in love with me, but I doubt if I will ever be in love with anyone enough to marry them. Is it true that they tried to marry you off to your brother-in-law? A flip of Spain, yes, even though he's a Catholic. He married Princess Elizabeth of France. He couldn't have been very much in love with me if he only waited four months to hear my answer. I've met some far more charming suitors over the years. Like Thomas Seymour, Your Majesty? (laughs) He was no suitor. A man with much wit and very little judgment. No, my favourite suitor was Eric, King of Sweden. A very courteous man. Oh, yes? He sent effusive declarations of love. 
ships filled with horses and gold. I sent those back with a heavy heart, I can tell you. You like horses? Or perhaps just the master of them? (laughs) If you are referring to Robert Dudley, I knew him since I was a child. Cecil didn't like him, though, did he? When I made Dudley Earl of Leicester, I tickled his neck as he put on his robes. You should have seen Cecil's face. I bet. (laughs) When Robert's wife, Amy, died in unfortunate circumstances, Cecil blamed him. He'd had her murdered so he could marry me. No evidence, of course. Of course. I tried to arrange his marriage to Mary, Queen of Scots, once. Cecil? Dudley! Ah, well, he was lucky not to get involved with her. Indeed. When I heard of Mary's husband Darnley threatening her, I said if I'd been in Mary's place, I'd have grabbed the dagger and stabbed him with it. That made the room go silent, I can tell you. I bet. Didn't you think of marrying Archduke Charles of the Habsburg dynasty? All I said was I wanted to see him in person. They told me he had an enormous head. Even bigger than the Earl of Bedford's, if you can imagine. Well, you might still have liked him. Think you that I could love my winding sheet? Um, no. Anyway, he refused to come over. Oh dear. He was Catholic. It would never have worked. Not with a head that size. Then there was the Earl of Arran, but that was just to annoy the French. The French? He was hiding in Switzerland. I organised his escape. He was smuggled across the Channel and then stayed with me before going back to Scotland. That sounds very romantic. And then he went mad. Oh. And then there was Charles IX of France. Annoying the French again? He was 15. And I was 31. Oh, is that legal? Indeed. People would say I was marrying my grandson. Son, surely. Mm? Nothing. What are the rumours about a man called Thomas Hedinge? Oh, he was a gentleman in waiting. Very pleasant wit and bearing. That was just to make Dudley jealous. Did it work? I think if things had been different, you and Dudley would have been together. You seem to trust him. The master of the horse is a very trusted position. It's the only job where a man can touch me. It was a perfectly innocent friendship. I like tall, charismatic, handsome male friends too. In that case, take a look at this. You might find him desirable. Hello, Mummy. Who is that? That is the Duke of Anjou. He looks very young. He was 19 there, but that was a long time ago. So it's ended then? Yes, I think so. Why? Because if you don't want him, could I have him? He likes men. Typical. They suggested his brother, the Duke of Alençon. And how old's he? Seventeen. Seventeen? They said, he's a dwarf, he's got pox marks, and he's in debt. Oh, what a catch. 
I said, I'll think about it. Anyway, he turned up and he was actually charming, intelligent, witty. We got on very well. He wouldn't go home. I had to pay him £60,000 in the end. What a lovely story. I call him my frog. I'm just going to add mildly racist to the profile. It's best to be open. <laughs> Next time, it's James the First and the Accountants. Ka-ching! The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact-check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Since79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.